It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. So I've gotten into this thing now where every time I leave a store with the family, I assign letter grades for the trip. Okay? I like this concept. Before you go any further, have they bought in? Have the kids bought in? Kind of. Like, they'll ask now. And also, well, I mean, not Dimitri. He, he'll, he'll do it. Like, so. The more important question, does does your wife get a grade? Uh, yes. Isabel does get a grade. Is she not happy with the fact that you're giving grades? No. She actually, the other day, she texted me while I was at work, and she just, I, all I got as a, as a text was B minus. So I was like, all right. She was scoring them? Yeah, she was scoring now, them. Now, is it a collective grade, or does everybody it, get individual grades? It's a collective grade for the kids. Okay. Isabel gets her own. All right. What does she usually get? Uh, she's usually like a B, B to an A. Is hers based on behavior or like limiting spending or how's the? Uh, it's mostly like uh, I think it's a little, little column A, a little column time B. Time spent. I, time spent does matter only if the you know the little ones are being petulant. So then it's like, all right, we got to wrap this up. Let's go. Is it only grocery stores or is it all stores? It's all stores. It's all stores. So today we went to the Egg and I today. Oh. Thanks for the invite. Why did you you went to you and I'll be practice? I didn't want to. I didn't want to step in. What any time touch. was this? Uh, like eleven thirty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, practice is over. Oh, okay. You know, it's funny. I was actually thinking. I was like, I should text Adam. I wonder if he's in the area. I, you know, I love it. Didn't want to bother you. Love well, we went to a different one though. Went to Egg Works on Rainbow and like two fifteen. You know what I mean? A little bit. Uh, north yeah, of we're, we're over by the Walmart Plaza where I go all the yep, time. Yep, yep. Okay, that's good. It's one of my regular spots. So, Dimitri. So. Uh, well, I bring that up because you know I was going to say first hour SE plus. That's on B, though. Okay. That's what? Uh, well, also Brandon Parker got hurt, not out for the season. That was part of the part of the first hour. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. Well, there we go. That's so just a little distracting. Okay. I would also uh, I would ask. Last time we went to said place, did I get a grade? Uh, no, I didn't give you one. It's like a, it's like a B, probably. Yeah. Okay. I think so. I just want to make sure I'm scoring. Okay. Wait, you look confused. What was the injury this time? I'm more concerned about this yeah, Brandon, Brandon Parker. Parker. He's out for the year. I, yeah. I just slipped that in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brandon Parker's out for the year. Yep. Suffered a uh, season-ending injury against the 49ers. Joint practices? Yeah. Are you yeah. allowed to talk about this? I don't know. I just... We don't know what it is yet, so oh, okay. we're still trying to find yeah, that it's out. It's time to cut him. I mean, God. Well, he's he's on in injured reserve, so they don't – I mean, he's not, oh, not taking a roster geez, spot. Devontae. We want him back. I mean, after last year and He's piling on the guy. He just got injured. Yo, you know what? No, he is very vulnerable in the press conferences. So shout out to Brandon Parker. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. Did I turn JVT against Brandon Parker? Why? Is he like magic? No. He shares an agent with a couple of Colts players. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, turn on. Taylor and Leonard. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go down. It's not the most popular agent. I'm going to get distracted. I'm going to get distracted. I'm going to get distracted. It's not the most popular agent in the right now. Also not the most popular family right now. The Tuies. Oh. Those who don't remember, it is the uh, the family that allegedly adopted Michael Ower. Allegedly. <laughs> and then turned around and told him, ooh, no, 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 it's actually a conservatorship. Uh we own the rights to pretty much everything, so yeah, screwed them over. Well, they have spoken. Well, at least here's the thing: if I'm this guy, because I called him in our rundown the idiot Tui son, sure. Because in the blind side, if I'm watching this and I'm him, I'm like, why in the world are you making me like this? The the mousy little child who's really annoying and mousy. over the top. Who's young? He was obnoxious. He's a young kid. Well, the idiot Tui what, son. What is grade responding. are you giving him? An F. Okay. He was on um, Barstool, you know, Portnoy's uh, Barstool, as a radio or something. I don't know what it's called, but we're giving Barstool credit for this. He responded to the allegations that they got. He really, this is what irritates me because this is kind of going to be a theme, is when you make an argument against something and you hang on like one tiny detail so that you can know that you're right. And Tui kind of hangs on to the $2 million that his family made from the movie. Take a listen. The, the main reason I wanted to initially come on this is I'm, I'm – Mostly joking, but like I'm, I, my friends were roasting me in the group chat. Like this article well, says, I got two million dollars out of this thing. And I'm like, man, if I had, if, if I had two million dollars in the bank account, it would be in my email signature and say signed SJ Tui multimillionaire. You know, I don't know. The, the I, I get it. Why is Matt? I completely understand. Um, and it stinks that it'll play on a very public stage. Uh, but I think there was 16 years of 
or how, 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 long, how long it's been, but of, of people that took positive things from the movie, there'll be some now 16 years of things that people think negative of it. Um, that, that part sucks, but like, oh well, you know. Oh well, you know. The beginning of it in which he says, if I had $2 million in my bank account, I would sign every email you know, SJ Tui, multimillionaire. You're not a multimillionaire if you make $2 million. The allegation is your family made $2 million and more. The what way, in they, the world are you doing? They absolutely made more than $2 million. Of course. <laughs> Come on, man. I, There's got to be like a, a lawyer or a PR guy. Like, bro, what are you saying? Shut up. You sound yes. terrible. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, we don't know the facts, but I know who I... I'm inclined to believe in this. this yeah, situation. me too. And it's not the family. It's just not. You guys want to hear the last line from his bio on his uh, UCF? Because he uh, he does something with the UCF. SJ Tui, multimillionaire? Yeah. Uh, a native of Memphis, Tennessee, he has a brother, Michael Orr, who played eight seasons in the NFL for the Baltimore Ravens, Tennessee Titans, and Carolina Panthers, and was the subject of book and subsequent 2009 movie, The Blind Side. But they're not making anything off of this guy. His brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my brother. By the way, way to, way to sweep it under the rug. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, it's unfortunate. I can I, understand why he's I upset. I can understand why he's mad, but oh well. You told him you adopted him. Why? <laughs> what, what are we doing? He was just a mousy little kid. He probably thought they adopted him, too. His entire family was a lot. Number three. So yesterday we talked about Dalvin Cook. Getting when are you, you going to tell guess. your kids they're not yours? I mean, I'm kind of, I mean... It's in the back pocket, you know? Okay. Just waiting. If they screw up? Yeah. By the way, go ahead. You're not mine. <laughs> I still think I think I might be on the hook, though, for, uh, what's the word? Child support. Even if they're not yours? I read somewhere that that's the case because, I don't know, again, this is all something, but I'm not a lawyer by any stretch. But because they're used to the you know the lifestyle, whatever, because I've cared for them for so long, might still be on the, case, on the hook if it was true. So because... They thought you were their dad. Yeah. Let's be clear. They are your kids. We're just joking. You're saying if you were to now find out that they weren't. I was there when I... When they, <laughs> you think? I mean... <laughs> you think Can we move you on to number three? You think you were there? Can we move she on to number left? Can we move on to number three? Right after? I'm going to start questioning my little, entire existence. Little uh, Drake with the hot sauce? Hey, yeah. Every time I hear Drake now, I just think of that line. Who was the chick we were talking about yesterday? Bobby something. Yeah, Bobby the, line, the line that he yeah. hit her with that was so awkward that she even was like, what are you saying yeah. to me right now? Well, you know the hot sauce story, though. No, what is the hot sauce story? I don't think we tell, we tell it on the air. I don't even think my, it's real. My, it, oh, it's real. It's a lawsuit. Oh. She's suing him. Okay. The, so. All right, so Drake, this is our new number three. Go ahead. Because we're talking about if they really are the father. Yeah. That's how it came up. So when Drake would be with, you know, a new female. Okay. He would, after they were done, he would place hot sauce somewhere before he threw something in the trash can. <laughs> Try to speak in real code. Before he threw it in the trash can, he would douse it in hot sauce so that it couldn't sure. be preserved. One particular woman fished it out, didn't know there was hot sauce, tried to impregnate herself. Nice. Got burned and is now suing him for assault for burning. Like Did I speak around that enough to that it's... Yeah, sure. You get We get it. Yeah. A plus. Thank you. Not A1. So she's, su- she's suing him. Saying, hey, that's assault. I didn't know there was hot sauce there. I was trying to... I can't. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's a shoddy legal argument. Well, she's... It's in court. I, I don't... But I don't know if it... If it's... I would assume hot is more effective than mild. I don't know the logistics, though. My favorite Drake sex story is that when Kanye accused Chris Paul... Yeah, yes. <laughs> right. Yes. And, the, and the conspiracy theory was that he actually walked in on Drake in a Chris Paul jersey. Yeah, yeah. Which is even greater because then Kanye thought, thought Chris that Paul Chris Paul rocked his own, his own jersey. His own jersey. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's awesome. He probably number two. It was probably Cliff. So I mentioned this story when we were off the air yesterday, and I read a little bit more about it, and I'm kind of in on this. So Trenton Flowers is a four-star basketball recruit. He had committed to play for Louisville. Louisville. He has decided to forego that. He actually reclassified to join the 2023 class, but instead was like, you know what? After a couple months, I'm out. I'm going to go play for the Australian League. Go play pro. Why I love you? this. Yeah, why wouldn't you? People, there's a lot of people. 
here's the thing. People have to realize this right now, right? Because I saw a lot of this again on, on Z, which is like, hey, you know, where are you gonna, you're not going to get the exposure that you need to get to the pros in, in Australia. Like, yes, they will. Yeah, they will. Look at, look at what the top of the draft was this last year, and look at it every year. If you, They will find you. Everywhere you are, they will find you. Has anybody that didn't play college basketball been drafted? No, never. <laughs> Just making sure. Yeah. Have they ever been a top five pick? It's never. But I also understand like there are people who are living you in know, a bubble. In, in 10 years ago and 15 years ago. And even then there was guys. But there are people that just believe that this is the only path. It's the only way to go. It's, what, it's what's been done. It's what's traditional. Do this. Now that this has sunk in, I think it's a bad choice. He would have started this year in the ACC without the immediate expectation to be a star and gotten NIL money to boot. Okay. How much? Let's. I mean, let's break it down. I'm sure... That he got more from going over there than he would have from playing I have, college. I have read an initiate initial an initial contract would be around five hundred thousand dollars a year over there in Australian League. Yeah. And then he can still get marketing on top of that. Sure. And he, by the way, he's still gonna start. Like he's still gonna play a big role from one year. <laughs> and by the way, see the world. Well, and this is There's the other that too. I actually I kinda liken this to the Anthony Richard thing Richardson thing, which is, you know, what part of the other comment was, hey, the Australian League's no joke. You're playing against grown men. Yeah, that's what you want. You want to get ready for playing in the NBA. It's why kids now, if they have a high enough profile, should and will go to the G League because it's more like NBA basketball, more like NBA coaching, and you want to play against some guys who have played in the league whose bodies are more like the NBA players you're going to face on an everyday basis. It more prepares you for what's ahead. It's more of it's like going to a trade school, basically, right, where you're like, all right, I'm only going to be here for a year. Let's learn as much as I possibly can about what my profession actually is. Number one. All right, DeMond sent this over. Josh Jacobs, he hasn't signed yet, right? We haven't missed any news? Nope. Okay. Unless Adam's got it. Yeah, nothing. Brandon Parker, he's out. I mean, DeMond already crapped all over Brandon Parker. We don't I said shout out the, to him. We need to bring him out again. You're preying on his downfall. Your guy's going to get cut. Tap dancing. I mean, this dude. You want him out. Yo, can't make the club in the tub. Oh, he's, not, he's not claiming a roster spot. He's what on a, IR. Ridiculous phrase. <laughs> I hate it. Lincoln used to say it all the time. It's like best, stuck in my head. Best ability is availability. The best ability is accountability. Own up to it. All right. I don't know. I can't. Actually, the more I think about it, I don't like the availability is ability. Whatever. Avail- whatever. Why? Ability is availability. Best ability? I like. I like club tub. Can't one make better. the. Cl- <laughs> <laughs> can't make the club in the tub. Yeah. I mean, that's because it works one, for too. so much. Can't make the MVP club if you're in the tub. Yeah, I'm in on this. I'm have stealing you not, it. Have you not heard this phrase? I've never heard it before. Wow. Okay. I mean, it's a very common football one. Oh yeah, yeah old oh, NFL yeah. Lincoln Kennedy. Yeah, when we used to, when he used to do the show with us. Can't All the make time. the club if you're in the tub. We just said can't make the club in the tub. Can't make the club. Shorten in the tub. it. Yeah. Okay. It's, that if makes a big difference. <laughs> if you're. <laughs> That's right. It's two in syllables. the. <laughs> yeah. If you're in the. All right. We'll have to save Ricky Williams' thoughts. I'm pretty sure we're gonna play this on the other side. Ricky Williams had thoughts about Josh Jacobs. And his contract situation and what he should do. Devon sent this over, and I listened to the clip like, I don't know, 10 times. I don't think Ricky Williams knows what's going on. Because he was talking about this from a running back's perspective and how you need to make your money on the front end. But it doesn't really work like that for a lot of these guys. So we'll hear from Ricky Williams about the situation. I think he's kind of wrong about what's going on with Josh Jacobs. We'll get back to Ricky Williams' comments about Josh Jacobs and the contract situation that Josh finds himself in in about uh, 10 minutes from now. But we continue our previews of the Raiders' opponents for the upcoming season. The New York Giants will be here on November 5th. So let's see what we have in the New York Giants coming into town. Patricia Train is nice enough to give us some time here today. Of course, you can find her work, GiantsCountry.com, part of Fan Nation, and, of course, the Lockdown Giants podcast. But, Patricia, I wanted to start with something our producer, Damon, uh, was shocked, stunned, that Daniel Jones decided to turn down an opportunity to be in Netflix's quarterback series next season, said he should be grateful for the opportunity. What do you say to that? I say I'm, I'm going through deja vu again. Uh, if you remember years ago, Eli Manning had an opportunity to host Saturday Night Live after he won the first Super Bowl, and uh, Eli turned that down. And Eli actually you know, would go on to host Saturday Night Live after he won his second Super Bowl. So, I don't know. For some reason, when I found out about that Daniel Jones story, I said, oh, my gosh, he's taking a page out of Eli's book. 
And Eli was, you know, of course, a lot more accomplished than Jones at the time. But I, I look, I applaud him. You know, Daniel Jones has one good year. I think he knows it. I think he knows he hasn't really proven anything, you know, as far as being an elite or a top five quarterback. And look, he's keeping the focus where it belongs. So I tip my hat to him on that. Yeah, take that, Devon. All right. Sounds like he's scared. <laughs> Sounds like he's scared. <laughs> Ridiculous. All right, so let's focus on Jones because he is going to be the focus of this season. Uh, when you watched him last year and going into this year, you know you mentioned again, like narratively, not where he is in terms of you know lead status or maybe even considered a top fifteen quarterback. I think a lot of people would look at last year and say hey, a lot of that had to do with Brian Dable. How does Daniel Jones get better? How much of last year was Daniel Jones? How much of it was Brian Dable getting the most out of his quarterback as he has shown to do as an offensive schemer? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of everything. I mean, Brian Dable came in, and everybody talks about the scheme, which certainly was important. But I think the important thing that Dable brought is that he took away the ties that bind, so to speak. Daniel Jones had been kind of programmed by previous staff not to make a mistake. And when you're coached to play conservatively, you're probably not going to get the best out of yourself. So Dable just basically said, look, we're going to put in plays that, you know, you like, that we like, that we think you can do, and we're just going to let it rip, and we'll see how it looks. And, if you know, if it gets picked off or it goes incomplete, not a big deal. That's what practice is for. And I think in doing that, they kind of reprogrammed Daniel Jones's mind to have a little bit more confidence in what he was doing and in the system. And now you throw in the additional playmakers that they got for him, you know, the Darren Wallers, the Paris Campbells, the Jalen Hyatts, um, bringing back Saquon Barkley, and now Daniel Jones has himself, you know, a legitimate offense that if they stay healthy, they can really make some waves this year. Interesting you mentioned the name Darren Waller because I've pretty much seen every day out of Giants camp that Darren Waller might be the most amazing football player that has ever stepped on a field, which, look, we've seen that before. Uh, he's very, very talented, and I like Darren Waller very much, but I will say that last year at times – being in the locker room every day, it did seem like Darren had kind of checked out. Uh, I don't know if it was a football, just of the Raiders or what, but it sounds like he definitely seems more engaged, and they're very excited about him there, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes a change of scenery can do a guy a, a world of good. And, you know, obviously I wasn't in the Raiders locker room last year, but from what I understand, the injuries got him down. You know, there were some questions about his effort, about his heart, and, you know, sometimes you just need a change of scenery to just, you know, rejuvenate yourself. And I think what, that's what we're seeing here. You know, Waller came over here. He likes the system, likes the coaches, likes the organization. He's spoken about, you know, how he has a say in things, you know, because it, it's a collaborative effort. And he gets along really well with, with, with Daniel Jones. And, you know, you see it in his play, or at least when he practices, you see he has that extra pep in his step. And uh, he's been unguardable, you know, by the Giants' defense. So I don't know if that's a good thing for, for the Giants' offense or a bad thing for the Giants' defense. But Waller has been a handful to, uh, to, to cover in practice, and I think they're very excited about what he brings to the offense. Certainly another uh, name on the offense that is a, a weapon for the Giants is Saquon Barkley. Were you surprised? It seemed like coming out of some of those meetings that the running backs had that Barkley and Josh Jacobs were going to be a unified pair and we're going to see a real fight. And then like two days later, Saquon's like, all right, I'm in. Uh, were, you, were you surprised that it ended that quickly and that he was just in camp? Yeah, I, I, I was. I thought for sure maybe he would sit out most of training camp to kind of prove a point. But then again, what point could they really prove at that, at that huh. juncture? You know, the deadline had passed. It wasn't like, you know, sitting out was going to, you know, Changed the fact that that the window had closed to get a long term contract. So you know, Saquon basically took the approach of, okay, you know what, I'm going to come in and I'm going to try and change the narrative about this this silly notion that running backs aren't as valuable to the offense as you know receivers and tight ends and quarterbacks. So offensive line wise, what I wanted to ask you about, it looks like you're going to have a, a rookie center, John Michael Schmitz. Uh, starting in the middle, you have an offensive line that last year was charged with, uh, I think it was 42% of Daniel Jones' dropbacks. He was considered under pressure. How much better do you think this offensive line can get, will be this season? Uh, that's to be determined because they're still trying to settle the interior of the line. You mentioned John Michael Schmitz at center. He's pretty much a lock. Andrew Thomas, who has just absolutely ascended to new heights every year, he's a lock, obviously. But there's still question marks about Evan Neal, if he can take that leap that, you know, Andrew Thomas took in his second year. Right now, Evan Neal is, is in the concussion protocol, so 
We haven't seen him, I think, since August 4th or August 5th. Um, the left guard situation is not settled. The right guard situation, we think it's going to be Mark Lewinsky, but they've been working different guys in there. So right now that offensive line isn't settled. So it's a little too soon to say whether or not they're going to be better or just different. So let's talk about Dable a little bit more, but in big picture-wise, outside of just the offense, I, it's, I think it's – I mean, it's kind of a simple question, but it's not a simple answer. How did he do it last year? How do you go 9-7-1 with the negative point differential and seemingly almost every single coin flip spot get out of it? Dable was is wildly impressive a season ago. How did he do it? I think it's, it's a matter of knowing your team and knowing what they could do and what they couldn't do. You know, a lot of coaches say, you know, that that's what they look to do, but – there, there's a way to approach it, and then there's, you know, a, a wrong way to approach it. And I think what Dable did is when he first got here, he sat down, obviously, they all looked at the film of the players that they were going to keep and who they had acquired. And then they went to the players and they said, okay, you know, this is what we're thinking of doing. What do you think? So I mentioned before how, you know, it was a collaborative process with Daniel Jones. I think with some of the other players, it was a, it was a, a collaborative process. And when you have that two-way communication – Guess what? Now you're giving everybody a sense of ownership. And when you have a sense of ownership in the program, you're not going to let those who gave you that sense of ownership down by, you know, just kind of going through the motions. Patricia Trainer with us, a writer over at GiantsCountry.com. So given last year, which I think a lot of people would say, you know, the Giants overachieved in what they did, what should the expectations for the Giants be here this year? Well, you know, progress is never linear. You're going to have your ups and your downs. But I think this year you're going to be looking for the Giants to be a little bit faster in how they play, a little bit more explosive. This is year two of the system, both on offense and defense. They were able to retain both of their coordinators, offense and defense. You know, unlike the rest of the NFC East that had, you know, changes. Um, so I think, you know, you're going to want to see them play faster. They definitely want to be more explosive on on uh, the offensive side of the ball, they want to be faster. You know, they focused on adding speed on both sides of the ball because, look, they face some real speedsters in this league. Um, and then, of course, you know, stopping the run, which was a big problem for them last year. They beefed up their run defense. So the expectation, I think you would, I think the goal would be to hit double-digit wins if they can. Certainly, you know, you want to try and get at least nine wins like you did last year. But if you can push it to ten wins, that would be great. But I think, you know, if you were to ask Dable what's the expectation, he's just going to say, just get better every week, you know. And, again, it's not linear, but it, it's, it's a process where you don't want to be going backwards. You want to be making steps forward. All right, Patricia, we appreciate some time today. Before we let you go, the last thing, I saw your Twitter account. Flat tire this morning? Do you know how to change a tire? I do not know how to change a tire. <laughs> I definitely got, you know, I learned years ago how to do it. My father taught me how to do it, but I don't remember. So well, hopefully it all worked out for you. Thank you very much for the time today. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, guys. No shot, you know how to change a tire. I've done it once. I wouldn't do it again. Well, I mean, you, sometimes you don't have a choice. Oh, yeah. You know, you get, you get, you get there's the, no way you pay. It's one, it's a really simple thing. No, I definitely, the last couple of times I've called the, and they've been very disgusted with me. Well, right. It's a very simple process. Uh, you pay for it for a reason. Damon? Not a chance. <laughs> Not a chance you know how or like you know how and you just wouldn't do it? Tried it once. Didn't work out. What do you mean? It didn't, you just unscrew the things, no, you gotta take lift off it. the tire. You got to lift it off the ground. Yeah, Put the you other need, one you on to, you need and to know screw how to work it back jack. on. I mean, then you got to have a jack on you. You always do. It's part of your car. No, there? no. Not sometimes you take it out and you forget to put it back in. I've done that. I'm amazed by it. I was moving this. golf car, golf clubs and I was like, I got to take the take the spare out and take I actually had to change three tires in the last like calendar year. Why why are you changing so many tires? There's a lot of construction by our How place. long does it take you? Uh, I mean, I actually kind of like it, take my time, but like if I could do, if I was doing it as fast as I possibly could, I don't know, like 15 minutes. Right, but how long does it take? If you're just the regular time. I don't know, like 30 minutes. Yeah, that, that's 30 minutes. I don't have one. Somebody else can do that. I mean, that, but but you're you're arguing a different point. Like, yes, it's like one of those things like we have technology. Like, of yeah, course. Yeah. But do you know how to do it is what I'm asking no, both if, of you. If I was, in, no. if I was in, the, in the middle of the desert somewhere. Right. The, oh, this is your only chance of survival. Yeah, I said, you, I've, I've done it once. And okay. I, I would, right. what I would do is how I do almost everything that I figure out. 
is I would turn on a YouTube video, <laughs> oh my God. and I would sit there and watch the video and try to match what they're doing. You're in the desert. Oh, you can get reception almost anywhere on the phone. <laughs> That's a good point. I did it uh, last week to uh, to change the taillight. You did that? Yeah. Wow. Good for you. I texted you. I told you. I was, I was the one that told you. Yeah, on the YouTube video. Okay. It's a little bit more complex than well, changing a tire. Because here's the problem. I went to a place that said, hey, if you buy your light here, we'll do it. I was like, oh, great. And I was waiting for them to say, like, hey, we put those in, but they never said it, so I was like, got to figure it out. Can't remember. Did you – you did not go to Bet Bash 3. You did not. You did not. All right. Sadly. For those who don't know, Bet Bash 3 was a uh, sports betting convention over at Circa, right? Convention, uh, that's the way to put it, right? Sure. Billy Walters spoke over there. So Billy's got a book coming out. You going to read it? I mean, I feel like if we just keep getting transcripts like we already got, we don't really need to, but it's uh, it's pretty good so far. So you're going to read it? Probably. Okay. I mean, I don't read books, but... Yeah, like, you know, when was the last time you... <laughs> Opened one up and we're sitting there by the fire. I know the last pages. book I read, cover to finish. Harry Potter. Cover to cover to cover. Cover to cover. Yeah. Uh, maybe the only book I've ever read, cover to cover. It's called Freakonomics. It's a really, really good uh, collection of economic surveys, like with real world implications. It's tremendous. I highly recommend it to anybody. But yeah, nerd. So I want to play this from Chris Mad Dog Russo. He went on a show the other day and was screaming as usual. <laughs> But about Billy Walters and this book that's coming out and kind of spoke, you know, he did one of those things that I don't really love a ton where he's like, nobody, this. And I think he's got a point here, but take a listen. And I may have not known the spo- the sto- the uh, uh, the scope of it, but I don't I don't know if you can base a book on Billy Walters, who nobody cares about. <laughs> nobody, there is nobody in America. If Billy Walters did not have a relationship uh, with Mickelson, that was a negative relationship based on you know gossip, and you know that I'm yeah, and true, but gossip. Do you think anybody would be picking up a Billy Walters book? I mean, I just, I, I don't see it. I mean, you think anybody out there would race to their bookstore or their Kindles or their phone to read uh, or go to the pit thing that was on the, uh, you know, the website to look at who cares about Billy Walters? Okay. So I understand what he's saying. When he says nobody, he means the common man in America, right? Common man or woman. But here's the thing. Yes, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of layers. If you said, "Do you want to read a book by Billy Walters?" People would probably say, "Like, I don't even know who that is." No. Mm-hmm. Do you want to read a book by probably the most prominent sports better in the world, one who has been ultra successful and has also, you know, been a part of some other massive gambling stories around? Oh yeah, okay. That means that's a little bit more interesting. I think you get more people to say yes to something like that. I do think sports gamblers underestimate how popular sports – or overestimate how, oh, how popular yeah. sports betting is. For sure. I saw a lot of responses because it was back after this that tweeted yeah, that yeah. clip out. But it was funny because every response was a sports betting personality or somebody I know that loves sports betting. Yeah. It was like, you're an idiot. Everybody wants this. And it's like, well, no. Like I understand if you're arguing with the nobody thing. Like, of course, there are people who want it. But – I think we overestimate exactly how interesting people find things like sports gambling and Billy. Yeah, Walters. but I know. But with the way that is expanded, I think there are a lot of people that would be like, "Oh, I want to read about who the, whoever the most successful person sure. doing this is." So I, I do think that 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 market has expanded. But yeah, you're right to that degree. But also, um, this is it's so stupid because it's also like, I mean, who would read a Monica Lewinsky book if there was no Bill Clinton? Like, yeah, it, but yes, there is. Right, but there is. Yeah, right, <laughs> but <exactly>. there is. <laughs> so now it is more interesting. So that's I think that's also the part where it's missing. Like every prominent story, every huge story is famous for a reason. Right. That's the reason. So okay, I'm gonna read it. I was just I thought I, I under I understood why some were griping. I also thought it was funny where a lot of the people were retweeting somebody uh put nobody cares about Mad Dog Russo. A few hundred people just showed up to see Billy Walters at Bed Bash. Like, yes, it's a sports gambling convention. <laughs> Of course, everybody in that room would show up to watch. It's so, it's so that's, silly. That's like the whole point of it's the get silly, together. Silly on both sides, clearly. I mean, but but yes, uh, to to his point, like I, I don't think a lot of people know who Billy Walters is on the surface. But How, go ahead. 
there's more there's more than surface. How do you get on the New York Times bestseller list? By selling a lot of books. Would he get there? Like, would that book get there? I think it's gonna get there. Yeah? Yeah, I think it'll get there. I'm gonna have to read it, aren't I? Should we rotate chapters? Sure. You wanna read it to each other? Yeah, yeah. yeah. On the phone? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Company's eye on sports betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. I'm gonna open a can of worms. We'll read this tweet out loud. Crying baby on the plane back from Vegas, and the parents have done nothing for about 45 minutes. No game plan, no cartoons, bottle toys, nothing. Just letting it shriek the worst. How was the flight back, Sam? Didn't they know I was on a bender? Didn't that baby know that I hadn't been at work in 11 days and I had to fly home? That's all I want to know. The baby didn't care. Can I, uh, really quick before you go, Adam, I am actually, so I was going through the uh, the responses to your tweet. I did not People know. Got so mad. I was, I, you know, that's what I was going to say. I did not know the sports betting community was such a welcoming and warm place for, for little babies. It was insane. My issue is very simple. And again, sometimes context gets lost on Twitter because you only have so many characters. My issue was that this baby... I'm going to guess it was just north of two. Like, it wasn't a newborn. It wasn't a year old. It was at least two. Baby had shoes on, for crying out loud. The problem is that the parents didn't care. They didn't attempt anything. And I'm, I'm sitting in the row behind and across. So I'm watching this whole thing transpire. Not one time did we pick the kid up and rock he or she. Not one time did we offer a snack, no milk, no iPad. I mean, there are so many things you can do at this time in 2023 and nothing. Just let the thing wail and let everybody else suffer. And then the other common response was, good headphones, you cheapskate. I had headphones on. In fact, the guy that was sitting next to the, the family had noise canceling earphones on and hid in the bathroom for a half an hour. So <laughs> miss me with the get headphones cheapskate. So to be clear, it actually sounds like you're somewhat compassionate here. Your problem is not that the baby was crying. Your problem is that the parents are doing nothing to attempt to stop the crying. Like if they had tried, but the baby kept going, you would not be as annoyed. A hundred percent. Was that lost in the translation? No, I just I want to be clear. Yeah, I just want to be clear. You hated kids yeah. and you wanted to kick him. No, because people people exactly. read, you know people read through it and everything, and they they essentially took that. So you know, good for you, man. Thank you, Adam. I don't did, think he's on the same. Oh, no, did you think of going and picking up the baby and walking and it rock, around, rocking it? There were a couple people that actually intimated that I should have either gone over to the baby <laughs> and picked it up, or gone over to the baby and made faces. Which yeah, silly is faces. the strangest. Yeah, that is the strangest <laughs> rebuttal I have. Why would I go up to somebody's crying baby and pick it up? Have we lost our minds? Like I, I would have got punched probably by the dad who <laughs> who would have finally leapt into action after doing nothing for a half an hour. But no, it's very simple. Just give it the old college try. If nothing works, nothing works. But you need to have a game plan. I mean, JBT, you've had. You've had young kids, two years old, three years old. You have to have a plan of attack with a baby on an airplane. 100%. Now, I will say my kids have actually – I've gotten really lucky. The plane rides I've taken them on, they've been awesome, and they've been short. I don't know how long the flight back is to uh, Chicago. Uh, what, like four hours, something like that, three hours? Well, I'm going back to Boston now. Oh, that's yeah, a five that's, hour a, yep, flight. that's a good point. So that's a longer one. But, yeah, like I, I, I've been lucky, but I've also been on flights where the kids are being pains in the butt, the other ones. At least they're trying. So, But you got to have a game plan. We bring Cheetos, Nintendo Switch <laughs> – we download movies that are the favorites, so they'll sit there and watch them and be distracted by it. Next time. Also, can I tell you really quick? Yes. A sneaky trick. Last flight we took, sleep deprivation. Woke the kid up at like 4 in the morning, so I knew he'd be tired as hell for well, like a 10 o'clock flight. That's Knocked good. out. That's good parenting. Yep. I like it. <laughs> uh, also, Sam, next time, do make the faces and please record that for us. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, then the authorities are waiting for me at the at the runway. Um, but I think you summed it up best there, JBT. You have a game plan. You mentioned Cheetos and cartoons, and this family had nothing. We're just going to let this baby cry.
I think we should have brought Cheetos and cartoons for Sam, and the flight would have just been more relaxing for <laughs> him. Wait, what are you whining oh. about, you big baby? Sounds like you're the one who's crying. I'm like, oh, my I, God. I was <laughs> honestly surprised by cantankerous sports betting Twitter coming to – you didn't even have to come to the defense of the kid, but coming to the defense of the child. It was not, It was an upset. Yeah, I'll tell you that it much. It sure was. <laughs> Uh, before the flight, Sam, how was the week? It was a big week in the sports betting community. You were out here. You were ordering wings that were far too hot. How was the week? They were not too hot. <laughs> they were the Buffalo hot. We could have gotten the 911 flavor. So Adam walks over because everybody is starving. We get there at 7 to Naked City office bar, and everybody's hungry. So I got there as a vet that I am. I got there and ordered 30 wings. Bang, bang, bang. I got 20 Buffalo hot and then 10 barbecue, and everybody's starving. So everybody gets there and then decides, oh, I'm hungry too. So Hill walks over and grabs a hot wing, starts eating it, and goes, oh, it's a little hot for my liking. <laughs> then he just crushes it and does like keeps yeah. going. So clearly it wasn't it. that hot. That was, that was, it was not that hot. Yeah, it was. I mean, look, their wings are delicious. I would have the... The, the last dab from from uh, the hot ones if I if I if it was out there as an option but uh, yeah I'd, I'd go mild or medium I think that's the choice I think especially if you if you're ordering for a group mild or excuse me medium is the way to go the crew that I was with was a hot crew so it, you know I didn't know what time you were getting there now that's I right. know I will get I will get the cold wings not the hot wings I'll get the cold wings no. and we'll get you a nice glass of milk. Maybe no, we'll get you some Swedish fish. I do. No, I think it's a philosophy sounds, thing. Sounds like you're getting ready for a flight. I think, yes, that's true. <laughs> I'm saying it's a philosophy thing. If you're in, if you're, if it's a group, I think you go medium. Like it's, it's hot enough for everyone, but not too hot for anyone. I think that's the way to go for a group. Buddy, I know you don't lose arguments, but the four people I was with all wanted hot. Okay. Fair and enough. we opened the place up. So we're going to get hot. Fair enough. And if I was invited, I would have liked um, hot too. How was how was the week though? It was a, it was a very cool week for the sports betting world, and a lot of cool things going on at Circa. Oh, absolutely! I, I think Bet Bash Three was an arousing success. You know, I by everybody's account, A A minus. You know, A pluses are almost impossible. I think there were some things that could have been done better. Um, including like the speed networking we were getting paired with the kids who were all like, hey, I need accounts. You're like, yeah, that's got it. We're not going to give you, I don't know you. You're 23 years old. I'm not giving you an account. So the speed networking, I think, could be, you know, maybe altered or eliminated next year. But I'll tell you, to see all those Hall of Famers in one room, to see Billy Walters, Jimmy Vaccaro, Roxy Roxborough, you know, Jack Franzi, his nephew, Chris Andrews, um, Billy Baxter, you know, Lefty Rosenthal's family, Charles McNeil, who invented the point spread, his family. You know, there were 10 Hall of Famers that went in. And to see all of those guys together was really something special. And you hear the speeches at dinner. Um, that, that made the weekend for me. I mean, the one-on-one -on -one with Billy Walters, who never says anything in public. I and mean, as I say that, he's pumping a book that's coming out in October. Um, but you never, you never get access to the guy. He's almost like a myth. He's like Bigfoot. You just you know he exists, but he's not he's not tangible. You don't see him. So seeing him among all the other Hall of Famers to me on that Friday at Bet Bash was really, really cool. You met some good people. And then I was on that panel Friday. I only moderated the panel with Ravel, Pozzola, Jeff Benson, uh, Sherapan, Fezzik. You know, I enjoyed moderating it, but it sounds like people really enjoyed that. And Circa actually tweeted a photo of the panel with the words, the panel, and a picture of us. So I, I thought it went well, but it sounds like Twitter received it even better. Yeah. Uh, are you sure people want to hear what Billy Walters has to say? Because we just heard a clip of somebody saying nobody cares about him and has never heard of him. Who said that? <laughs> we played – you want to play this again? It's, it was Chris Mad Dog Russo. I, I was making the case that I understood his point about the common folk. But here, you can take a listen to this, Sam. See what you think. And I may have not known the spo the sto the uh, uh, the scope of it, but I don't I don't know if you can base a book on Billy Walters, who nobody cares about. Nobody. There is nobody in America. If Billy Walters did not have a relationship uh, with Mickelson, that was a negative relationship based on you know gossip, and you know that I'm and true, but gossip. You think anybody would be picking up a Billy Walters book? Oh, you can cut it. I mean, I just he he goes on to say they're Kindle and whatnot. I think his overall point, when he says nobody, nobody, 
I think he means like common folk, right? Like people who don't have any interest in sports gambling wouldn't really pick it up. I, I think it's faulty if he absolutely believes that absolutely nobody would have interest in it. But I think like a general sports fan or any person out there, if you were to tell him, hey, right, here's this book about Billy Walters, I'm not sure how many people would be that interested. I would say 20% of the population cares about Billy Walters. Yeah. But of that 20%, 98% of that 20% care. Does that make sense? Can oh, we sure. all sort yeah. of, yeah. of course. get there? I mean, he's the greatest sports better that ever lived. How could you not care about him if you're an aspiring sports better? And even the recreational guys who, who are in the room that are still making their parlays and still taking all the favorites and wheeling them together, I think somebody like that, takes even more because Billy Billy's not going to tell you how to bet he's not going to you know reinvent the wheel and, and explain how he did it but I think some of the strategies and how hard he worked and how big he networked and how he had all these guys on different coasts pouring through newspapers to get information like you can learn from something like that and I'll tell you what I was at that interview with Spanky at Circa the the half hour 40 minute sit down there were two times in that room full of 500, 600 people where Billy Walters got a standing ovation. So to say that nobody cares about Billy Walters is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Right. So let me ask you a little bit more about your panel because it, it was about, you know, what was it? Let's Can't we all get along or something like that? Was that the, uh, the yep. name of it? Yep. So uh, a lot of it had to do with, because I, I didn't, I wasn't there, but I saw some of the tweets about it. I think it was, um, I can't remember who was live tweeting. Rufus. It. Rufus, Rufus live tweeted Peabody. it was why tweeting it so I kind of saw the gist of it uh, let me ask you something are you familiar with the with book it with Trent he came up at the panel and yes I'm familiar and, so I wanted to expand on that point because Rob Pizzola brought up a point about hey you know book it with Trent like and you can I'm paraphrasing here so you can correct me if I'm wrong essentially like book it with Trent as a personality on sports media uh, or on social media is not the way it should be but he does it the right way in terms of the way he carries himself Am I wrong in looking, hearing that statement and going, I think that's wildly incorrect because I think he does a lot of unsafe things with the way that he presents himself as a sports better. Oh, like the suicide seven bets he gives out like the every Sunday? The bomb plays, like, the massive parlays being backed by a book? Yes. I mean, I, I don't think anybody on the panel thought that Booker Trent was a sharp or a winner. I think right. the way that Rob worded it was that he he sort of makes losing cool. And I, I think that's sort of similar to what you were saying, like, oh, it's entertaining, but yeah, he's, he's not teaching people good habits. Right. And it, I don't watch their stuff because I, you know, I'd like to keep the little brain cells I have left. But I, I mean, aren't they firing like three, four, five leg bets and like just making stupid home run wagers and like parlaying home runs together? I think, I think the point about Trent. And I've never met Trent, for the record. Sure. Was that he sort of? It's entertaining to watch him lose. I don't think anybody with a with a right mind is going to follow Trent's bets. I think it was more like, wow, watch this guy suffer, watch him be miserable, because I've seen clips where he'll lose at the buzzer or whatever, and he is very funny when it comes to that. But I would never follow his bets in a million years. All right. I wanted to clarify that. Yeah. I think that's good that you were there because I didn't want to take anything out of context from written word on Twitter because I wasn't there. So glad you had a good time. From what I understand, you did a good job moderating it as well. So congratulations for you. What do you got going on before we get you out of here? Yeah, so we are watching the line move against Purdue in college football. Uh, that's going to be the work, a week one game against Fresno. We bet five and a half and five, and that's starting to come down in Vegas. And then this is the one tip we're trying to uncover. Like I'm digging through the garbage right now at Utah. We're hearing bad things about quarterback Cam Rising. He's the quarterback who got hurt in the Rose Bowl last year. The backup is already out. So if Cam Rising can't go, that game is on August 31st, what does that line go to? Utah's seven-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Florida. If they're on quarterback three, boys, that line's going to be four-and-a-half, maybe lower. So just trying to uncover the status of Cam Rising. Yes, the season doesn't start for real for two weeks, but – doesn't mean we're not trying to find out who's in and who's out of quarterback. I thought that line would be uh, pick them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll tell I'll tell Adam that story offline. We, can't, we don't have enough time to share that one now. Sorry, right, buddy. See ya. Thanks. See ya. At SP Shoot Up on Twitter. Inside jokes that nobody understands. We're good. We're friends, and I appreciate. it. I mean, I'm not close enough friends to be invited to wings, but you know, I whatever. do. I thought you were invited. I was told you were. <laughs> you you're getting after me about egg works. I'm hearing about the wings for the first time. Well, it wasn't. I didn't issue the invitations. It was. It was. People got together for me. I just thought uh, we'd be there. Are you going through something? <laughs> <laughs>
Selfish. The 5 O'Clock Frenzy is presented by Nova Home Loans. Call 577-2600 for help in buying a new home. Cofield and Company NFL Insider, Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk, joins us now. A reminder for everybody, we are out early today. Las Vegas Aces. Got a pretty important game coming up. That'll be here on ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. You heard it. Miles Simmons is with us. Miles, thank you for the time, as always. Uh, let's start with something. Wait, no, lo- start, start with something else, first of all. What? Miles oh was one of the oh first boy. people oh to comment. Adam, what, what oh, now? yeah, 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 yeah. This distracted my whole, this the, the beginning of the show. Yeah. Yes. This what? monstrosity of a salad, is that what we're doing here? Yeah, one of the first people to comment on Cassie's post of a salad, which was tremendous, by the way. Uh, Miles, I, I think, it called yours. it trash. Yeah, 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 I did. And yeah, because I don't know. What, what the hell was that, Adam? Like beets and, it was and like basic, ranch it was basic, dressing? No, there was no ranch dressing. And the, the dressing we've already discussed, was it was a mistake that was taken off. But it was it was mostly beets, olives, mushrooms, and lettuce. The, what was the what was the white? It was dressing. It was blue cheese dressing. He accidentally was, put too much. There was too much, so that we t- oh, we kept oh. it on for the photo and then took it off. Yeah, I mean, like it, it was like, would you like some disgusting salad with your ranch dressing? That's what it looked like. I mean, I didn't know it was blue cheese. The blue cheese makes it sound a little bit better. Yeah, but yeah, it did look like trash. I mean, which I, you you knew it looked like trash because you then took off the the salad dressing. So yeah, yeah but- I also knew I. Cassie didn't have to say anything. I knew it was your stupid salad. I just decided to say it was it belonged in the trash can because I figured, you know, I would make a joke out of it. And lo and behold, I was right. Also, we have discussed this before, John, but I am uh, I am going to L.A. this week, which means uh, Miles will be dragged potentially to Sizzler, which is still oh. just a tremendous place to eat. Oh, you just so... love that word, tremendous day. When do you get yeah. here? Uh, we well, should talk about this offline. No, I don't know I'm, I'm going. That. I'm going to a uh, to Chargers practice on Thursday and Friday for some reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you want a Chargers practice? Right, because you know there might be somebody in town practicing with the Chargers. So it's I, the it's Saints joint practice with the, the Chargers. Yes. Yeah, so, oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. All, yeah. all right. Great. I'll see you down there on Friday. I'll be there. And then, oh, nice. This is great for the audience. It just is. say the Saints and Derek Carr are going to practice with the Chargers. Well, no, the Saints are there. I'm so like, everybody what knows. are you? Like, I just. It really took me a minute to make the connection. Like, why are you going and to Chargers practices? Chargers yeah. Saints. Derek Carr used to play for the Raiders. Number sure. four now belongs to Aiden O'Connell, sure. who looked like he could be the starting quarterback That's on right. Sunday wow. against the 49ers. Now, didn't he? Look at you. Uh, yes, and then uh, Raiders also have a game against the Rams on Saturday. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, yeah. Non football stuff, really quickly. Uh, Miles, do you, do you have access to your, your Z account right now? Your Z? It's My Twitter. Z account. It's X, but it's pronounced Z. It's X, but it's not oh. Z, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tag yes. you in something. All what right. Are you doing? It's another picture. I'm, I'm going to tag you in something. Please go look at it because it's another picture of some food constructed by Adam from about March Madness oh, this year. Oh, yeah. It was tremendous. That, that's oh, fun. another monstrosity that Adam put together with his nachos, <laughs> which was one of the worst plate of nachos I think I've ever seen in my entire life. We really are doing a great job of, uh, you know, doing visual stuff this right is, now. Oh, I just retweeted audio medium. Our, our, our is, audience can look. And at, this is what happens. JBT. It's what happens when Steve's not here. That's also Yeah. Oh, golly <laughs> gee day. All those black olives. What are you doing? I mean, at least there's a little protein in there. I see a little meat. Is that ground beef? Yeah, it's ground, ground beef. So. It's ground beef. Were there any jalapenos in there? No, I mean, no, no, oh just, just olives. Oh. Olives le- legitimately are my favorite food in the world. Oh, I see. I can't do a black olive, man. Like yep, I, 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 I'll do a green olive. <laughs> Love a green olive with a little stuffed jalapeno and a bloody mary. It's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, okay, so you mentioned Aiden O'Connell. Uh, what did you think of the Raiders' <laughs> tremendous performance? I'm going to say tremendous 18 times. Uh, their their <laughs> performance against the 49ers. John Von Tobel, sitting across from me, has made the accusation that Josh McDaniel schemes for these games and other teams do not. Hmm, that's interesting. I mean, I, I, I think that if you're trying to make your young quarterback comfortable, it does behoove you to do a little bit of scheming so that he can feel comfortable, right? I mean, of all the rookie quarterbacks that we saw this week, I mean, Aiden O'Connell looked the best. So he was ostensibly prepared to look the best, right? I mean, you look at Bryce Young, he was, he was all right. You know, Anthony Richardson flashed a little bit, but he was just okay. C.J. Stroud... I thought that the Texans did a really poor job, actually, 
of setting him up for success. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad thing, though, when you have a rookie quarterback and you're trying to, you know, get him used to the league. A, Aiden O'Connell's played a lot of football, so and that helps you, right? We saw it with Brock Purdy last year. I think one of the reasons why Brock Purdy was so successful is he had so many college starts. Um, but, yeah, I don't – Maybe McDaniels does do more scheming than one would usually do in that setting. But I think if you're trying to bring up a young quarterback, I don't think that's a bad thing. Frankly, I think it's kind of a good thing so that you're setting that kid up for success and that confidence will probably breed more success. So I asked Adam yesterday, I'll ask you, Hey, everybody says, oh, it's preseason means nothing. But it means something, right? Like, What, what is the takeaway about Aiden O'Connell as a quarterback from that performance? I think it's that he belongs in the league, right? I mean, you look at him, and I tweeted this on uh, Sunday when I was watching the game, and part of this you know, probably goes to what we're talking about with the scheming and whatnot, but you look at the first half performance by Aiden O'Connell, and you look at the first half performance by Trey Lance, and you say to yourself, okay, well, one looks like he's been in the league for going on three years, right? Like, this is his third year, and the other looks like this is his first pro start. And it's not the guys whose, you know, they actually belong, whose labels those actually belong to. You know what I mean? So I don't think it's nothing that Aiden O'Connell looked out, went out there and he looked like he belonged in the league. I also don't think it's everything, right? I mean, if the 49ers defense had Nick Bosa and if Steve Wilkes were really scheming for what uh, the Raiders were doing, that that game probably would have looked a lot different. Although, hell, who knows? It might not have because last year, Jarrett Stidham ripped the hell out of the 49ers' number one overall defense, and you know they made that a game. So I don't know. But it, it, maybe McDaniels just has the better of that particular scheme, even though it's a different D coordinator now. So I, I, like I said, I just don't think it's nothing. I don't think it's everything. But I, I do think you you can feel comfortable being encouraged with Aiden O'Connell after you saw what he did on, on, uh, on over the weekend. This may just be my pessimistic nature in general, but my thoughts on preseason always is I don't care if you go 117 for 117 for 8 million yards. That means nothing. Nothing good means anything. Only bad means something. And, and that's why I was a little bit concerned about Trey Lance, obviously, this weekend yeah. like that just wasn't good but I I will never take anything positive from a preseason performance well why not I mean if you go out there and you do what you're supposed to do like that's a positive is it not yeah it's a positive but I, I won't I won't like like I said I just don't think there's anything you could say like you can make any judgment on anything positive but you can make judgments on things negative like if you see a guy I won't say names people can probably figure it out a couple years ago who literally couldn't block and he's an offensive no, lineman. You're like, okay, that's not good. But if you're a dominant offensive lineman, I'm just saying, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we're supposed to do. Right, exactly. You know, but if you do, but, okay, I, I I hear you, and I don't really disagree with what you're saying. If you can't get things done in preseason football, then yeah, you have a real problem. Now, you don't want to be diagnosed as a problem by being out there, right? So. You know, like, I think that there's some give and take on that. But, I, I mean, I agree with you. Like, if you don't look good in preseason football, like, if you can't do what you're supposed to do in the preseason, then we've got a problem. Now, again, like, I, but I don't think you're wrong when it's like, oh, okay, you did what you were supposed to do. That means you're going to be a great player. No, I just think it means that you have checked off a box and you can move on to the next step. And that's not a given with anybody, which is why I would take – that as a positive as opposed to it's not I mean you know what I mean like you're you're at least stacking a block as opposed to like trying to stack the block and then it just you know falls over because you don't have enough cement or whatever metaphor I'm trying to do in my mind that's not really good right now so you should ask me another question that's good so so Trey Lance is, is done then right he's toast I don't think he's – I mean, he's toast for the 49ers and being the 49ers starting quarterback. I mean, there's no way. And, you know, I, I don't think that Sam Darnold is going to be able to, you know, do anything that's all that great either. But I, I think if you're Kyle Shanahan and you have a, a Brock Purdy who you feel really confident in as your starter, as you should based on what he did last year, and then you have a guy who's got 55 starts worth of experience in Sam Darnold, at least I think that's what the number is, and then you have another guy who's barely played football since 2019. Hmm, I wonder who your backup quarterback is going to be. And I don't really mean that as a terrible thing for Trey Lance, but it's just the way things have worked out, there's no time to develop him. This is a Super Bowl caliber roster right now. And that doesn't mean that you have to get rid of Trey Lance. I wouldn't do that if I were them. 
right? They use multiple quarterbacks, it seems like, every single year. They can't keep their quarterbacks healthy for whatever reason. And some of that is fluky, but some of that just is whatever, right? So based on that, I want to keep Trey Lance on my 53-man roster. It's not like you're paying a bunch of money for quarterbacks, right? I mean, you have a quarterback system with three guys right now in their top three QBs that are way less than your typical franchise quarterback. And I don't know exactly what that number is, but they're not even approaching 40 million against the cap for what they for who they are as a group of three. And I'm not counting Brandon Allen in that. He probably won't make the 53-man roster. So because of that, I don't think you got to get rid of Trey Lance right now, but I don't think that there's any chance that he develops into the 49ers starting quarterback at this point unless something catastrophic happens with Brock Purdy. It just, they, there's no more time for that because after this season, they got to make a decision on the fifth year option and there's no way in hell they're going to pick that up because it's fully guaranteed. So I don't know what they're going to do after the season. You might move him or if somebody makes an offer you can't refuse, you might move him before you have to cut it down to 53 this month. But I don't see how Trey Lance, when he can't function in the offense, right? And he should have thrown two picks in that game against the Raiders. I don't see how he can possibly eclipse a Sam Darnold for the backup quarterback spot, which I can't believe I'm saying, but especially Brock Purdy to be the starter. I think um, that first touchdown pass was exactly how they drew it up. This is a great throw. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, not to I don't not to raise any alarm bells, but I watched joint practices, and from what I could see from 18 miles away, I don't know that Brock Purdy is the answer right now either. Really? I mean, it, it wasn't okay. good. Well, I mean. <laughs> I, well, I I read whatever you know was coming out of there, and there it seemed like there were a bunch of interceptions that were happening. But the Raiders have been doing that all camp, you know. I mean, is that a Raiders defense thing, or is that a Brock Purdy thing, right? I mean, it's the same with Jimmy Garoppolo; he's been throwing picks out the wazoo. So, I mean, you you tell me, you're there certainly more than I am. Well, it's tough because you, like I, have watched a lot of Raiders defense the last couple of years. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't think that it's a Raiders defense thing, but that is their focus now. So. It, it's right. tough to say. Um, it, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say, and you never know. I mean, I think of the the year um, Sean McVay got to the Rams when I was still covering them day to day. It was 2017. And that offense just did not look very good throughout training camp, right? I mean, Jared Goff still sometimes looked like he could do things. But I remember, I remember talking to people um, who had covered the team for a while. And I'm kind of like, man – when do you think Sean Mannion's going to have to play? Because it was clear that Sean Mannion had the stronger arm and everything. But then Jared Goff goes out. They play like a house of fire against the Colts, who admittedly were crappy that year because um, Andrew Luck had gotten hurt and whatnot. But And they started Scott Colzine before turning to Jacoby Brissett in the second half. I think the score was 46-9 to in week one. Oh, yeah. But uh, all that is to say... You can't always tell things from training camp practice. And, you know, once you get in between the white lines and the games actually count, then, you know, we find out a little bit more. The Raiders, as we said, have some joint practices coming up against the Rams, a team you're very familiar with, and you're down mm-hmm. in L.A., of course, and that's Miles Simmons joining us. Uh, what is the range for the Rams this year? I, I feel like they could be a playoff team potentially if everything goes right, but also could be maybe yeah. the worst team in the league. I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the league, and maybe that's just my bias showing because I, I, you know, have a deep affection uh, for Sean McVay as a coach, but I, I just don't think that that's going to happen. I, but I do think that their ceiling is something like 9-10 wins, and I can certainly see that happening. I mean, if they get their offensive line fixed, which is a huge if, especially based on what we've seen with offensive line play uh, throughout the league and you know young guys play an offensive line. It just has not gone well, at least early on um, in these preseason games. It just looks really ugly. So the Rams have to fix that first. You still have Cooper Cup. You still have Matthew Stafford, who, you know, they say he's been healthy all offseason. He didn't have any restrictions like he did last year after, you know, they played a very, very long season going to the Super Bowl and winning that thing. And you still have Aaron Donald. And as long as you've got Aaron Donald on defense, that makes everybody that much better. So I think that they could be a playoff team. It would not surprise me if they went 10 and 7, you know, 9 and 8 and snuck in there as the seventh seed, especially because, look, the NFC is just not as good as the AFC. So it's not going to be as much of a lift for a team, I think, to make it into the playoff. We could see an 8 9 team make it into the playoffs in that seventh seed. Um, so that wouldn't shock me. But it also would not terribly surprise me if they were like four and thirteen or 
five and twelve, you know, because that team just does not have much brand name talent. And so it's going to be a lot of scheme and a lot of, okay, we got our draft picks right um, for them to be a, a team that actually really contends. Speaking of scheme, the Tui's had quite, uh, quite the scheme for Michael Ower <laughs> when they uh, faked his adoption and then built a movie around it and got a mil- uh, quite a bit of money here. Well, I saw uh-huh. you tweeting about this a little bit. Your general thoughts on this, and I don't know if you heard, maybe we could play this if you haven't heard it yet, but uh, as I have called him, the mousy stupid kid from the movie, uh, who the character is based off of, has spoken. He spoke to Barstool. Didn't really look great, but what were your thoughts after you heard a little bit more about this uh, now lawsuit with Ower and what the Tuies are doing? Well, to me, like, it, the the thing that it fundamentally boils down to is this, and, like, I... I just, I feel like if you're going to lie about adopting somebody and misrepresent that to the world, there's a special place in hell for you, you know? And, and, you know, you can take the money and all of this stuff. And, like, the money part of it is terrible. But when you're lying to somebody about, you know, they're being in a conservatorship or whatever, all that, that's horrible in and of itself. But I just feel like if you're going to say you love somebody and you want this person to really be your son, and then you go out there and you don't actually adopt that person, you're a bleeping liar and there's a special place in hell for you. Because there are so many children in this country who are just yearning to be adopted, right? And, And I don't know, it just, it really bothers me to my core that somebody would do these kinds of things ostensibly to line their pockets and to make their alma mater better at football. That's bleeped up. It's some bleeped up stuff. And so I hope that Michael Orr finds the peace that he can in whatever resolution this comes to. Because to me, it's just so, 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 so wrong on so many levels. Adam thinks that Sandra Bullock should have her Oscar script. Yes. <laughs> she, oh, okay. she has a lot of questions to answer, man. She propagated she? this lie on us. Oh, yes. It's her fault. She wrote the book. She wrote the script for the movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I, like, it, I saw a tweet today and somebody was like, oh, if Reggie Bush had to give his Heisman <laughs> back, then Sandra Bullock should give back her Oscar. And it's like, okay, I mean, I don't know about all that. But I, look, I, somebody, I, some people were like, oh, she needs to make a statement. Like, she was just in a freaking movie, no, guys. No. And the movie was not I'd that argue, realistic either. We but need anyway, to hear from her. No, I'd argue she gets two Oscars. She made a villainous woman look incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Played a trick on us. She shouldn't have done that. She has to answer questions for that now. I, I told John yesterday, I question everything. I don't think there was a bomb on the bus anymore. Like th- Nothing she did is real. She's full of it. I don't like her anymore. Uh, I don't know I don't know what I like anymore. I don't think I like anything. Uh, you like that real- salad. What? Yeah, can I say really quickly? Yeah. I, I have gone back since and watched like some movie clips of the movie. It is absolutely ridiculous how like stupid and just downtrodden they made him look of course it was insane yeah yeah Yeah. and and he's had an issue with that for the entirety that the movie has been released so i mean like that's one aspect of it where you can really be like okay yeah i I understand this and i understand why you had a problem with it and especially now when you hear more about these different things and the other argument i saw today is that like oh well why now did you like run out of money and it's like well i mean if somebody profits off your name image and likeness no matter how long it takes like if you then discover that you weren't actually adopted and that they lied to you and that they've been getting money off of this and it doesn't really matter if you made money as an nfl player a a pretty good nfl player as well right you still want your money let let somebody have uh, make maybe millions of dollars off of you and you don't see any of it and then no matter how much money you have see how well you like it all right, I, that's all I can be able to say about that. Uh, I had two more things I was going to ask you about. We don't have time. We only have like a minute and a half left. So pick either. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, it's it's our fault. We were being very silly. Uh, pick either. Can uh, Bienemy and Rivera repair their relationship with Washington, or why is Matt Ryan staying in shape right now? 
Oh, uh, let me go to the second one. Okay. I mean, yeah, I think that Bienemy and Rivera will probably be okay as long as they start winning. But if they don't start winning, then Bienemy is going to be the interim head coach there, so it won't even really matter. Um, but I, I can't, I can't do the Matt Ryan thing, man. I mean, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like nobody wants to see Matt Ryan play football again, and, and I don't even think his wife wants to watch him play football anymore. You know, the thing that was so funny to me was when he was talking about, oh, it was such a bleep show last year, blah blah blah. He was a part of the bleep show. He was so <laughs> bad he was awful he could not play anymore and i mean like it's not i i feel like i'm getting personal with matt ryan and i don't know matt ryan and that's not necessarily very nice to say but look he was a disaster with the colts he played horribly so i don't want to hear about anybody talking about bleep shows and oh i'm staying in shape and that 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 part of it probably is just the contract provision because that's how he's getting his 10 million from the colts this year is that he can't be retired for that then they can take it back or something like that you know contracts and da, da 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 but nobody should be giving matt ryan a workout for to be their quarterback nobody just be on cbs sports and let's just let that ride i mean shane steichen and the colts home the future is anthony richardson their new starting quarterback is there because of him right it's true well i guess you're right yep. all right miles good to talk to you, man thank you very much all right gentlemen take care see you soon adam you yes go. sir friday another thing i won't be there for sad Sad. Nobody invited you? No. <laughs> I'm inviting you right now. Okay, I'll be there. I'll drive down to LA. Orange I'll County. Get there. Orange County Friday. Hey, that's where I was born. There you go. It says it's on my birth certificate. All right, what am I supposed to do here? Just we're just done? Yeah, we're out of here. All right, cool. Las Vegas Aces. Come say up welcome next. to the OC. That's right. <laughs> Listen up for the Aces, which are coming out next. Cope for the company shortened edition today. Steve will be back tomorrow. We'll see you.